This is the My New Norm Podcast, and I'm your host, Barry Scott Young. Marriage rates have been declining since the 70s, and 2021 was the first year that more children were born out of wedlock than in it. For the first time ever since records began, 50.1% of women are childless by 30. The U.S. fertility rate has plummeted for the past 15 years. The people are choosing to get married later or live together beforehand or even um, not, not getting married at all. The nuclear family has almost been destroyed in the United States. You know, we, we, how, how many kids come from, you know, two-parent households with both parents that were their, bi- their biological parent? People get married on average like 10 years later now than they did. It's destroying the country. If there is one thing that is apocalyptically different about our generation compared to every single other generation in history, it is the near total disintegration of the family unit, at the very least in the Western world. The household is declining and where it declines, the society falls apart. I I think the short explanation of where I think we see a lot of what's going on in our society and our culture all comes back to the family. A large majority of what's going on comes back to broken homes and absent fathers. You need to hear this. The destruction of the family is the destruction of the Western world. I want to welcome Chris and Danielle Wingate to the podcast today. We're going to be talking about family and not only family, but also military families. Um, There's so many things going on in the family unit and these parents have, I don't know, 40 kids or so. How many kids do you guys have? (laughs) Just four, just four. But it feels like 40 sometimes. I know, I know. (laughs) Once you have three, you're outnumbered. So it doesn't matter after that, we found out. But Chris and Danielle, I want to I want to welcome you and I want to get right into this. Since we're talking family, give us a little little peek of your family growing up that made you who you are today. Let's start with Danielle. Well, I um, have a wonderful family. I have um, my mom and dad, thankfully, both are still living. Um, and then I'm just have one younger brother. Um, he's four years younger and he has a very different personality and just like a lot more quiet. I feel like anytime I think of wisdom, I'm always like, man, maybe I should, I should think a little bit more <laughs> like David and just ponder. But um, we were raised in a, a, a Christian household. And so we went to church a lot, but I really, um, I think I wrestled with my faith. Uh, as I grew up, because I remember watching my parents read their Bible and go to church often, but I really began to notice a, a little bit of a disconnect between even the church that we were at, that people were going through hard times, but nobody really talked about it. And everybody put up this facade or so it seemed or a mask that, oh yeah, things are great. Mm. Even from a young age, I think I posed a lot of questions. We were a pretty stable family. We would move around a ton. Um, I got to experience a little bit of homeschool, a little bit of private school and a little bit of public school. So I do feel like I got to hop around with like education and get um, experience in all three. My parents moved to Nashville, Tennessee. My senior of high school graduated, went to college and I worked my way through college and after that, kind of went down the entrepreneurial path and got into um, wedding and event planning, which was super oh. fun. 
So I did that for about nine years and I joined through that. I joined the staff at a church in Nashville and that's where I met Chris. And uh, it was just overall, I mean, I I feel very blessed. It was obviously not a perfect childhood. There's a lot of things, even of course, you're married that you go back to your child and you're like, why did I respond that way? Or why did I think that? Or (laughs) I don't know how I got that. Or you go back and ask your parents, you're like, why didn't y'all ever do this? And they're like, I don't know. We did the best we could. (laughs) What what can I say? So anyway, I claim nationalist home. It's not where I was born, but it's where I found the Lord. And it's where the Lord totally changed and transformed my life um, in all the best ways from a relationship with him to meeting Chris and to really discovering freedom from that religious wrestle that I had experienced starting as a child. Chris, how'd you end up in Nashville? Because you were from Texas. Uh, I got assigned to Fort Campbell, Kentucky, close to Nashville uh, in Clarksville, Tennessee. I would drive down to to church in Nashville because that's where I felt called. That's that's what took me there. I was there about two years. The reason why I wanted you guys here, you guys do such a good job making it a priority, raising kids thinking intentionally about what to do as a parent, working with each other. I I just wanted you guys to come on and share your perspective and your kind of the ins and out of family. I I think the short explanation of where I think we see a lot of what's going on in our society and our culture all comes back to the family. A large majority of what's going on comes back to broken homes and absent fathers. And the importance of men being men, women being women, and really operating their God-given gifts and talents, having their purpose be something that's destined by God, and they're they're moving forward in that instead of trying to be something that uh, society tells you to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, feelings are fickle. God's purpose is not, and so yeah. it's something that, uh, that we we do we try to do a really good job of just investing in our kids even now and setting a firm foundation in them for who they are what their identity is how it is in God and Christ and uh, so that when they are old they will not depart from it. Say hi. hi. Say I'm at Thomas Jefferson's Monticello. I'm at Thomas. Thomas. Jefferson's. Thomas Jefferson, Monticello. Monticello. Where's Monticello? Good job. I don't see the ice cream anymore. We got to go get it, Bubba. Um, I stay home with the kids full time. Um, I do have some things that I have my hand in outside of the home, but I really like being home with the kids. I homeschool the kids. Mm. Um, I'm, I really am involved in every aspect what I've realized is um, the other things, they're good things. But when God entrusts you with children, there are a reason that they are called arrows. Caleb, how's your ice cream? Yummy. Yummy. <laughs> Momo, how's your ice cream? Good. The I best. I Judah, how's your ice cream? I mean, there have been so many studies done on the on the impact and the legacies of one family committed to loving and serving the Lord. We learned how to pray a little bit differently. And I think that 
the pressures that we're seeing as it correlates to what we're navigating now as families and what even society and culture is, is we've really lost the value of the importance family unit at home. People mm. are busy. It, it's, it's really, it sounds really good when you're like, oh, Bobby's in travel soccer and so-and-so's in, you know, competitive cheer and so-and-so's doing this and, right. and, oh, we just won this and, oh, we're, you know, doing all these things, which in and of itself are not bad things. But if that's not what the Lord's called you to do, and if you're being busy for the sake of being busy to, to fill a void for, I mean, there's, there's a, there's a really great pause that I think I would really love to encourage families to just ask this simple question. Why are we doing this? Yeah. Why? Yeah. And I think a lot of people have a much more healthy view of that post COVID because COVID delivered a gift in a lot of ways that it made the society shut down and it really opened people's eyes back to the sacredness and the value of the presence mm. at home. Dad might be working out of the home. Mom might be working out of the home. And now you're bringing in either an au pair or a nanny to raise your children in their foundational years, mm. or they are away at um, school all day. And then they go to aftercare for two hours after school. And then you have 30, 40 minutes at home to eat dinner, and then you're getting ready for bed. Like it's no wonder that we have kids that have a lack of identity, a lack of clarity, and a lack of purpose. Why yeah. are we doing this? What has God called us to do? And how do we help guide, refine, and mold these children to help set them up for their God-given calling? Yeah. Well, I sure appreciate what you said. You guys had mentioned that you each have a role that you play. You are a military family. What does that look like? Having two daughters and two sons in particular, you realize how important as a father your role is to help them see what a godly father should be or a godly man should be because they are always watching. Yeah. You know, Danielle showed me a picture from uh, we went to the TCU Texas game last weekend TCU had just scored a touchdown, and I guess I put my hand up and cheered. And she took a picture of Caleb behind me who put his hand up and cheered. Oh. Same arm right behind me uh. in the same exact way. And they are always watching. So my sons are learning how I treat my wife. My sons are learning how I treat their sisters and how I treat them for what right looks like. This is, you know, primacy is important for them. What they see first is what they're going to take with them the rest of their life. Mm -hmm. So same thing goes for my daughters, you know, their example of manhood and how a man treats a, a woman and uh, a gentleman and courting them. It's all going to come from what they see in me and how I treat them when I take them on their daddy daughter dates. And when I take Danielle, make time to take Danielle and go on a date mm. and we have our date nights, we have our quiet time together, or we, we start our days with our daily encounters and have worship in the living room and invite them to join us, mm. you know, as the biblical head of the home, I set the tone for that. Mm. So it's important for me to make sure I'm under God's authority first, so I can lead in a way that is, um, that is the way God intended, where it's not a, um, 
you know, strong bashing, so to speak, you know, where I speak and she listens. Now we have a right. partnership here. Right. We have a partnership and she's my teammate in this. And um, it's amazing when the Lord brought us together, how we complement each other in certain areas where I have strengths that she has weaknesses and she has weaknesses that I like, I have strengths yeah. and she has weaknesses. <laughs> she has strengths that I have weaknesses, yeah. you know, and then we come together and the Lord brings us together as one to be a strong couple. And we both have individual responsibilities that he's given us to set the foundation for our kids mm -hmm. and set the foundation for our families for what going forward looks like. Wow. Danielle, yeah. what about you? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, sorry, we our oh, no. son just came down. We're recording. If you want to stay with us, you can hang out. Um, so I, similar to what Chris said, uh, but a lot of the ways that I would just add on to that is I view our roles that Chris is a, as a martial artist, I think I always just have this, um, I did martial arts growing up and, uh, like that's just kind of has been this mm -hmm. theme that I've noticed throughout my life. And so I always think about it as this, like, obviously there's an umbrella that the Lord sets, but then Chris also sets an umbrella over our home, but a lot of his leadership essentially is focused not only in the home but externally mm. so i focus it as kind of this outer perimeter circle where a lot of my role is inside the home and so if he's doing if he's taking care of the things outside and you know like just really helping con to continually lead we both have very valued roles in our leadership but it's not in a competitive way it's in a cooperative way where we essentially, like you think about it in lanes of a track, we run together and we complement each other really well, but it's not ever from a competitive standpoint. And it's not um, where we notice the most discord and the greatest tension in our family or in our relationship is when um, I get my lane confused. Um, my lane is just as important as his, but it is different. And that's not like to say one is better than the other, but there is a respect and an understanding that we both have for our lanes that we need one another. The greatest discord that we have is when I get my lane confused and I'm trying to step into mm -hmm. his lane or he's trying to step in to my lane. And, um, and so like a, just a, a very real true example, um, is just that sometimes, uh, like there's been a few times that he's been at, you know, he's come home to say, Hey, I think we need to do this with the kids. And it's like, Hey, let's, let's dialogue about that. Like, mm -hmm. I'm not saying no, but like, why? And then, um, sometimes we've actually talked about things and I've asked like, Hey, how did you like, what led you to that point? And, you know, and he'll share. And then we've realized when I'll say, Hey, let me show you what we are actually doing right now. Mm. Um, and so when he'll say, Oh, you're already doing a form of that, never mind, don't change it. Wow. And so there's just there's some really good value in too. Um, not it's huge value, honestly, how we communicate too of yeah. just coming to the other as a teammate uh with respect. Um, because I can throw out I ideas all day long, but if I don't ask Chris first, Hey, you know, what are you seeing or what are you sensing? Or are you reading this? Or, um, there are sometimes that I'll like, think of something that does fall more into his lane. And just to ask that simple question, Hey, are you thinking about this? Hey, have you seen this or what are your thoughts? Like, that's what sometimes I'll ask. I'll say, what are your thoughts on this? And I'll be, and so he'll be yeah. like, okay, well, I have none. I know you already have an idea. So let's just go ahead and hear your thoughts. I'm like, okay. Well. <laughs> let's save some time. 
<laughs> yeah, well, then I, I mean, and sometimes yeah, it's like, yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, but sometimes you do actually are like, yes, I actually just made that call two weeks ago. I sent that email and I'm like, oh, good. Already done. Well, mm. and, and, and I'll add one thing to that. We're going to find a way to come together if we're in mm-hmm. what we like to call intense fellowship. Fancy way for disagreeing. Um, oh. <laughs> we, yeah, That's we good. come back together and we just say, you know, what are you what are you hearing right now? You know, or if I have, you know, in our business or something with work, if if I'm moving in a direction and I feel very strongly about it, some I would be foolish not to stop and and say, okay, what do you think? What are you hearing? Well, I I feel very strongly in my spirit that. X, Y, Z, whatever it is. Right. And, and that's happened more often than not. And I have a choice to either listen to that or she has a choice to listen to that or not. And usually mm-hmm. it doesn't wind up the way that we hope if we go the opposite direction. Yeah. Let me ask you, uh, both of you being raised in your own home growing up, uh, took on norms, things that were normal to you that weren't normal to your spouse, they had a different norm. What are those norms that you took from your home that you applied to your family now? And what are some of the things that you did not grow up with as norms that became norms for your family now? That was a long, long question, but there it is. So uh, my parents are actually no longer married. They they got divorced a few years ago. And um, I think one of the really big things that I learned um, in observing their relationship the years that they were married um, was that they did not communicate well. So from that standpoint, one of the things that I took from that experience into my marriage was communication has to be key. We've got to be able to communicate, figure things out and heal and grow together. Or this is going, I know the feeling that this is going to create like in my home, my dad always wanted to do adventures with us. Hmm. And so um, it didn't always necessarily happen, but he always had this desire to do adventures and to create memories through experiences And so we talked about a lot of things and I don't think I ever realized again, because some of them didn't happen for various reasons, but it's something I've really admired about Chris that he just, he's also desires the adventures, but um, he's like, great. (laughs) Like, Hey, I want to, I want to do an RV adventure. And and then like the next thing, you know, he's like, Hey, I want to get an RV. And then the next thing, you know, we're like (laughs) RV shopping and here we are. And, and so, um, And I've seen the value of that payout already in tenfold of the experiences Mm. around the intentionality and the value of creating experiences and and having those adventures together. Yeah. Oh, wow. What about you, Chris? Um, I think, um, you know, because we were so ingrained in the church my entire life, um, that was a big aspect of something we wanted to take forward, right? My parents have been married, uh, what, 54 years? Mm. years now i think going on 55 is something that uh realized at one point that they were doing something different you know and um part of that was their relationship with christ and that foundation mm-hmm. so i knew that 
the importance of having that uh, teammate mentality that is equally yoked together was super important for me uh, to be able to establish a legacy that followed the same track. Mm-hmm. And so for us, you know, I wanted to take that forward. Um, but the other thing I took forward was beyond just the religion of going to church every week was the relationship with Jesus himself and the Holy yeah. Spirit being able to implement those into your own family dynamics, how important that is. And so that was pretty key. And my parents having done marriage ministries for many years, you know, something they said years ago still sticks with me, which was like the top three reasons marriages fail, fail are selfishness, selfishness, and selfishness. (laughs) And I was like, okay. So even when we have intense fellowship, you know, I, I realize sometimes I'm being selfish in an area because I, I feel like I'm right. Or um, I feel like uh, I may be going down the wrong path in this, uh, this disagreement yeah. and we'll take a step back and we'll reset and we'll just talk about it. And we'll, we'll come back together because it's, it's so key when uh, we, we are having those moments to just reconnect, air it out and, and just come back to unity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's rarely ever been a time that we haven't come back within an hour and just said, Hey, let's, let's talk about this. Let's move on. Nice. Um, that's just, uh, that was modeled for me, uh, growing up. I rarely saw my parents argue in front of us as kids. So we try to model that as well. If we have a disagreement, we either hold it until later so we can talk mm-hmm. about it or we talk about it in a way that the kids don't necessarily know that, <laughs> that we're disagreeing. Um, we'll be smiling on our face and, uh, well, but we, but we actually have tried to have some open, like, and it's never in a disrespectful way to one another, but it's actually one of the things I told him they do need to see that you disagree with people. And I mean, that's mm, part of the respect in our society is yeah. people don't know how to dialogue yeah. and have, yeah disagreements with respect anymore to say, Hey, I may not see it that way, but let me ask some discovery questions to understand how you got there. And then because we have a, like, we know at the end of the day, what's our goal. Okay. We are goal to be a unified team that we need to reach this destination. So if we have this goal, then we need to work towards that. And so showing the kids how we get to that point together um, in a respectful way. Mm -hmm. Wow. Good sharing. What are some of those things that you know are kind of unique to a military family and then even your own things that you had to adjust to? Yeah, I I think the, uh, the military family is an incredibly resilient population, Hmm. right? We've been at war over 20 years straight. Um, frequent deployments, frequent moves, you know, people move anywhere from every two to four years, in some cases, Mm. uh, less than that. Um, So you're setting roots, uprooting, moving, setting roots again, very frequently. So home is very, very frequently where your heart is and where your family is. So what an important, what an important thing to make sure your family is solid, that wherever you are located, your family is there. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, um, I think the longer we do this, having been in t- nearly 20 years now, you know, we took, we took stock a couple years ago. Um, and just knowing where I want to be at the end of this is with my family because mm-hmm. the family is going to be there. And what kind of family do you want at the end of this career? Because the career is not going to be there forever. 
The right. military is going to go away. You're going to retire or separate and you're going to move on to something else and they're going to forget about you. And your family is who you want to make sure you've invested in to make sure they're there. And, and you know, having gone through multiple deployments myself, what a what a huge difference it is. And it was for me to know the home front was taken care of when I was at war, mm-hmm. because although it was hard for me overseas, it was uh, in some cases harder for Danielle back home to essentially fill the role, try to fill the role of both parents right. for our young kids at the time with newborns and toddlers. And that's a, that's a very frequent um, occurrence for military families to do. Um, whether it's training events for a month at a time at the training centers or it's actual deployments for months to a year plus mm-hmm. in some cases, you know, they have learned to be resilient through that in some cases, in most cases, I would hope uh, in other cases, they haven't families fall apart uh, goes back to that selfishness component and the hurt component that uh, it takes two people to really work through that and really work together to make sure the family's there at the end of it. Yeah. Danielle, I want to hear from you with the side of the military. I think one of my big takeaways of military life has been um, that every assignment, one, is what you make of it. And number two, that in our case or in any military family's case, uh, as believers, the military branch, so in our case, Army, the Army is the messenger, but the Lord is the assigner. And if you have a lens that way that you can look at it and say, okay, Lord, uh, this deployment is scheduled. Lord, this you've placed us in this location or you've put us in this neighborhood, this installation for this season, for this situation. Why? What do you have us here for? And what have you called us to do here? Uh, And when you begin to look at it that way, like, Lord, what do you want to do through me? the Lord is a good loving father. So when he places you or assigns you somewhere, there is purpose in it. If you choose not to press into him and press into that assignment, spiritually and physically speaking, then you are going to miss it. And when I think what we focus on, and I'm, I have been so guilty of this so many times, um, when we focus on woe is me, or it's so hard, or like, I, Chris had one deployment where it was a UCOM support, a European support mission. They were literally staying in hotels, had nights and weekends off, <laughs> had a massage parlor in the lobby of the hotel. And here I am at home with a newborn uh, and everybody, poor Chris, he's deployed. And I'm like, poor Chris, okay. he just got a massage this morning. It wasn't like, in my hotel, okay. in my lobby. But the point of it was, but the point of it was, I began, I realized I, so he left for the deployment when I was seven months pregnant. And because this Mm. mission started as a non-combat mission, he was permitted to return home for 10 days after the birth of our child. So he watched the birth of our first child on FaceTime, got home, met her when she was 24 hours old and boarded a plane back to Romania when she was like 12 days old. Mm. And it was the hardest thing not only watching him say goodbye to her, but realizing we have no family nearby and I know nothing of Uh, what I'm doing. uh, And I sunk really deep into postpartum depression. I was so bitter towards him for leaving us, you know, like quote unquote 
like, and I was mad at the army. And then I was frustrated that everybody was like, oh, poor, you know, like, yeah, I just, I really went down this path. I partnered with offense. I mm-hmm. partnered with a victim mentality. I partnered with, and while it was a really hard season, again, God is still good. God is still bigger than all of it. Yeah. And I realized Every time I partnered with offense, every time I partnered as the victim, every time I partnered with bitterness, every time I partnered with frustration that I was here alone and I had no one. And if only I continued to miss the opportunities and the blessings abundantly in that season. And the Lord provided people in that season. Like there were four women that really thank the Lord, like they had already had kids and they, I guess, began to notice some really, some caution signs that I was expressing at my work. I worked at a church 45 minutes away Mm. and I guess they four talked about it and they were like, Hey, we need to start going and taking rotations at her house. And these four women would take turns and I would just show up sometimes with food and they'd be like, Hey, we brought you food. Have you eaten? And I was like, no, I haven't. They're like, Hey, well, why don't I hold your baby? And one woman, uh, she like, she came. And again, I barely knew these women. Like I had only been working at the church for like six or seven months. One woman, she came and she walked into my house at like 5 PM that night and brought us, brought me dinner. And she goes, um, do you have any milk stored for the baby, you know, in the fridge? And I said, yes. Why? She goes, okay, good. Your baby's going to sleep in my guest bedroom tonight and you are going to go get sleep. And I remember um, having a six week old and it was the first time I had more than like an hour sleep. And I just cried. I could uh, not, and I mean, trusted this woman, right? Like I knew her enough, but I just, I couldn't believe that somebody would be willing to sit, sit up with my child and do that and for uh, me. And, and those are the things that I think that you can miss, but those are also the things when you're put in extreme circumstances that it is where God really wants to reveal himself as a good, faithful, loving father to you to say, trust me, but I'm going to do something so great in this season that you feel so lost, so alone, that you feel like this is such a valley season. I'm going to do something so great that you're going to look back on this stage, this season, this time and say, it was only God. Mm. That's my, that's a huge take on it, but I really believe that military families have a very special blessing and a call that they're entrusted with that they get to move around. And I think we get, we have a really big opportunity where a lot of families I notice miss that they're like, I'm being sent to El Paso. I hate it. We loved our season in El Paso. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't always easy. Yeah. Like Chris was deployed and I moved pregnant with two children, you know, like Uh, it was hard. uh, Wow. I would like to know a little bit uh, about RV by military. uh, Something new that's happening that you guys have created and launched. It's a new business. Tell me what it is and who it benefits and why you did it. Well, I appreciate it. No, so RV by military is the first peer-to-peer RV rental marketplace by military for everybody. Freedom. It's what our brave service members fight for. And now it's yours to experience. RVbyMilitary.com is the first RV rental marketplace owned and operated by military veterans for freedom, adventure, memories for everyone. 
The military is one of the most trained and trusted institutions in America. When you rent through RV by Military, you invest in your own family while supporting our service members and contributing to the community that has given so much to our country. RV by Military provides a unique opportunity to invest in your own family, veterans, and the greater community. On average, we only use our RVs 20 days a year. We can help others create memories while earning extra income and continuing the tradition of service by giving back. By listing with RV by Military, you can make the most of your asset while guests explore the beauty of the United States with the peace of mind your RV is protected. Start today at RVBuyMilitary.com and be a part of an adventure that creates lasting memories and impact to our service members. Invest in veterans. Make memories. So we built this marketplace to uh, to help other military families uh, create additional income income streams mm -hmm. uh, to either offset the expense or the cost of ownership, or actually supplement their own income. Beyond that, it's it's also a community that we're building, and mm -hmm. the community connects the the owners, which are all military and military veterans, with the general population, which could be anybody. Uh, to help build and foster camaraderie um, while also helping bridge the military civilian gap. There's a, there's a third component of that that comes to education. We are building an education platform with that, that not only teaches people how to monetize their RV, take care of their RV, but invest in their own family in the process. This whole journey for us really started back when Caleb, our, our now six-year-old, wanted to rent an RV for his four-year-old birthday. <laughs> Is that and, right? Oh yeah. my! I forgot about that. Yeah. So, so the first time we did an RV, we thought about it for a while. I mean, I thought about it for at least a year or so. Oh my! And I was like, all right, let's check it out. So we we went to a platform, uh, had an RV delivered to this campsite up in uh, College Park, Maryland. They set it up for us. We got out there, spent an amazing weekend out there, had s'mores, just made memories <laughs> with our our kids. Wow. And then um, the owner came and picked it up and took it back. And I was hooked. Mm. We ended up buying our own RV probably about just under a year later. Started um, using it about once a month and then renting it out when we weren't using it. And we started to generate some uh, some good income that actually yeah. really helped not only pay for everything, all the expenses of ownership, but then gave us extra money in our pocket too to do some other things that we really <laughs> wanted to do. Just kept investing it back in the business. It dawned on us that, hey, there are a lot of military and military veterans out there that have RVs because we move around a lot. Yeah. So you go into military housing, you have to move out of military housing instead of going into a hotel or something else. People move into their RVs because it's for extended periods of time and it's a familiar space, especially yeah. families with young kids. You're waking up in the same space every morning, yeah. wherever you're at uh, across the country or the world you're at least in the same space. So mm -hmm. uh, familiarity and, and continuity is so important for them at a young age that we thought, hey, this is another great idea to be able to um, to make sure that we create a, a similar space for our young kids that we were having a challenge getting them to bed when we went to a hotel or you know somewhere sure. else. So, and then we come to find out there's 2.6 million military and veteran owned RVs that sit stationary 345 days a year. Uh, so wow. we thought, 
let's do something with this. Let's build a platform that invests in veterans, helps them make memories and invest in their own families in the process. And now we're investing in them. When, when people rent an RV, they don't just get an RV. They get a story. They, they yeah. get a connection and they get the benefit of partnering with our nation's heroes and really helping invest in them, not only financially, but relationally. Mm-hmm. And so uh, this is something that came to me really in a dream. Uh, and now we're just trying our best to steward it and really help turn this into something that can uh, that can impact the military and veteran community on a large scale across the nation. Oh, my. What is the website if people want to check it out? It's uh, rvbymilitary.com, rvbymilitary.com. It represents you guys so well because really that's what you're doing. That is awesome. If you could say anything that would help a young family, a young military family that's going through uh, uncertainties or challenges, what would you say to them if they're listening right now? The first question that I would ask is how is your relationship with the Lord? And if you are not spending time with the Lord daily, like reading God's word, getting to know his heart and his His great love for you, for your spouse, for your family, for the season of life that you're in, um, I would tell you that that's where you need to start because you are going to continue to life. Life is full of ebbs and flows, mountains and valley seasons. And the military, of course, is incredibly unpredictable, but you know what? God is so much bigger than all of it. And he does have a purpose and a plan for your life. And it is for good because he is a good father. And the word tells us that every good and perfect gift comes from him. And so if you are desiring to get out of that hard season, if you're desiring breakthrough, if you're desiring healing, press into the father more. So Mm -hmm. like sometimes even a question that I'll ask myself or Chris and I have even talked about, like if we find ourselves worrying about something, yeah. we kind of like check each other to say, are you praying about it more than you're worrying about it? Because if you're not, then our priorities are are misaligned. And as soon as we begin to make that shift, it doesn't mean it's a hundred percent better, but even if you start to notice a one degree, five degree, 10 degree, 20 degree difference over time, it's going to make a massive impact. Mm. Chris, what would you say? I would just, I would just add to that men, you know, our, our role, your role is to lead your family by example first. And so that starts with our daily encounters, our quiet time with the Lord. However you do that, however we connect with God. Uh, For me, it's through worship and it's through the outdoors and, and just kind of being in his presence that way. That gives me insight and you know spiritual leading to lead well but also really figure out what his heart is for our family in every season and every chapter today tomorrow um and then the future going forward and you know for us you know we're getting ready to retire from the military after 20 plus years yeah that's a big transition for anybody um when you've done essentially the same thing uh, well, not the same thing, but we've done a lot of, we've been a part of the same organization for 20 years. And so to change that and shift to something entirely different mm-hmm. is um, 
is an act of trust and obedience and and a step of faith for anybody. So it can be overwhelming for people. And we would not be going down this path if we didn't have peace with it. And we also wouldn't be going down this path if we weren't uh, being obedient because God said it's time for a change. Yeah. And so um, we got that answer together because we pressed in and we asked mm-hmm. and he made our answer clear. And then he opened up doors that no man can shut. Yeah. That's where we want to be. We don't want to be anywhere else, but in his, his favor and in his, his obedience. And mm-hmm. so that's, it's so important for us as men to lead the way and set the example. I want to let you guys share a little bit about the books that you guys have written. Both of you have authored. Did you tell us about that? I want to put this in the show notes as well. Yeah, sure. My book is called Fighting for Freedom, and it's seven ba- seven battles that women encounter and the strategy to overcome them. And so I take women on a journey to encourage them, equip them, and empower them. As I mentioned earlier, I um, have am a martial artist or was growing up, and I just have mm. really kind of applied a lot of the strategies that I've learned as a fighter in karate, but then also as a military spouse. And I parallel both of those physical elements to spiritual warfare. And um, so we talk about just seven seven battles that women go through, the battle against your past, the battle against your present, the battle against your future, the battle against your identity, your calling, your legacy. And wow. so we kind of break those down and uh, just like walk through um, scripture and things that um, every woman wrestles with and how we take and identify lies from the enemy, isolate those, replace them with God's truth and, and write a new declaration for multiple reasons. Um, but yeah, it's called Fighting for Freedom. So, is, is that something that you can get on Amazon? Yes, you can get it on Amazon. It's the best place to get it. Yeah, great. And uh, Chris, this goes back to our episode. I think you had just finished uh, Caleb the Brave. Tell us about the two books that I know you've written. Yeah, so my first one was written for our oldest daughter, Emmaus, which is called Emma the Medevac Pilot. And this was a first, our first children's book that uh, was really geared towards connecting children with their families, no matter where they're at in the world. So mm. I wanted my daughter to ha- have an idea of what I did because she was asking at that age. And so the message of the story is really no matter where you are in the world, your imagination can always take you there. Emma Emma becomes my co-pilot overseas on a mission mm. uh, through her imagination. Um, and so with that book, we we... For every purchase, we give away a copy to deployed service members. And so that's been really fun to, to ship boxes out to um, other medevac units and other soldiers mm-hmm. that are deployed. And we can just submit that request on our website uh, at chriswingate.com. Then our second, my second book is Caleb the Brave, uh, which is really geared towards helping children find their God-given identity and propelling them towards their God-given purpose. And um, since we talked last on on your show, uh, we actually have a coloring book that goes with that. Uh. That is now, uh, it has uh, declarations of truth that parents can actually speak over their children as they're working through the coloring book, biblically based and also tie with the story. So it's a a fun way to help people, you know, help speak life and identity into your children's lives instead of letting society and culture dictate who they are going to be. 
So we're working, working on the the third one, which is for Mariah, our third child. Uh, Like I said, (laughs) we keep having kids. So I keep having to write books. So at at a minimum, at a minimum, we're going to have four books and then maybe I'll do one uh, with all four of them together. We'll have to see, but, um, but it's been, it's been really fun. So exciting. Well, I want to thank you guys for not only showing up, but being willing to talk about the real stuff that makes and fosters a great family. Um, I love the intentionality. I love the seriousness to God. This is what you called me to do, but I can't do it without you. All of that comes out. You're affecting change in our world because you're changing a family that will be part of the change. And I love, love, love uh, what what you guys are doing and who you are. So I really appreciate you sharing your story to date, you know. Well, thank you for having us on again, Barry. It's always a pleasure to to chat with you and just uh, just talk to you, whether we're on the show or not. You know, I, I love what you're doing with my new norm podcast and uh, building on on something that uh, that is you know that happened in your own life and and really yeah. just doing it to help other people and uh, tell tell unique stories. So uh, thank you for letting us tell our part of our story. You know, if anyone is interested in learning more about RV by military and are interested in investing mm-hmm. in veterans and memories, uh, they can go to our website or shoot me a note at chris at rvbymilitary.com. You know, we're in our pre-seed round right now, raising funds to be able to improve this product and bring it to the market and uh, give people a unique value proposition that I think will impact families for generations to come. Mm. And Danielle was so great getting to know you. They always say that great men have an even greater woman behind, and that's true. And uh, it's so good to finally get to meet you. He kicked yeah. me under the desk when you said that. <laughs> I'm like, I, like no. see, see? I know. Thank you. I'm aware of how great you are and what blessing you are to me. Thank you. It was wonderful to meet you as well. And you thank too. you again. I appreciate both of you. Now you can help support this podcast with as little as the price of a cup of coffee. Go to www.ki-fi.com forward slash my new norm. Thank you in advance for your support and interest in this podcast. Until the next episode, this is the My New Norm podcast. It's all about real people and real stories with your host, Barry Scott Young. Thank you so much. Thank you.